Celebrating the sounds of Memphis for 21 years, welcome to another episode of Bill Street Caravan. Heard around the globe on NPR Worldwide, major funding for Bill Street Caravan is provided by the AutoZone Corporation. AutoZone, parts are just part of what we do. Hi, I'm your co-host, Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Covens. This week on Bill Street Caravan, we feature Scott Sherrard, longtime guitarist for the Greg Allman Band, as he steps out on his own in a set that we captured in Studio A of the Stax Museum of American Soul Music. And Bill Street Caravan contributor Preston Lauterbach will return to continue his series, The Chitlin Circuit and The Road to Rock and Roll. That's all coming up right now on Bill Street Caravan. Hey, Kevin. We have a really cool show this week. That's right. We're back at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music with Scott Sherrard. You know, in a city that's full of sacred and hallowed musical ground, it really doesn't get much heavier than Studio A at Stax. It really doesn't, and we have Scott Sherrard with us, and he loves Memphis music. Scott, as we previously mentioned, is the guitarist in the Greg Allman Band. So right off the bat... Like, you know he's good. Right. (laughs) So like a lot of professional sidemen, he also pursues a solo career. And Scott really has the goods. His music stands on its own. He's just an all-around phenomenally talented guy. Scott has just wrapped up production on a new record called Saving Grace. He recorded it in two sessions, one in Muscle Shoals with Memphis icons Dan Penn and Spooner Oldham, and he also recorded in Memphis with producer Scott Bomar using the high rhythm section and horn players Art Edmondson and Mark Franklin. We should note that Art and Mark were in the Greg Allman band with Scott. So Bomar's band, the Bo Keys, are backing up Scott in this performance, and here's a spoiler. High Records legend Don Bryant is in the house, and he hops on stage to sing a few with the band, so stay tuned for that. Don gives us a nice teaser of sorts because he, too, has a new record in the can, and we'll have him on the program very soon. Well, let's get to it, Pat. Here's Scott Sherrard from Studio A at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, live on Bill Street Caravan. Just a mixed up food It's the high cost of 
You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Beale Street Caravan. Here's more from Scott Sherrard from Studio A at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, live on Beale Street Caravan.
Charles Hodges on the organ, everybody. Ooh, baby. Words can't sing. Thank you. Well, uh, for those of you who don't know, I live up in New York City, and I wasn't, wasn't able to bring my guys this time to, to join us, but uh, this is a song written by my friend and drummer in the band. His name's Moses Petru. He's, it's called Daddy Love. Till I don't know what to say She put that loving on me That she sends me on my way She got me right where she wants me Till the day they put me in the ground She wants me, says I'm a part-time man. If I stress the issue, says she won't be back again. She ain't a good woman, no. She's the finest one in town. I'm down here. 
That was Scott Sherrard from Studio A at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, live on Beale Street Caravan. We'll be back with more music from Scott in just a few minutes. But first, we're going to turn it over to Beale Street Caravan contributor Preston Lauterbach as he explores the fascinating subjects of his book, The Chitlin Circuit and the Road to Rock and Roll. A few months before Little Richard hit it big with his recording of Tutti Frutti, he and his band performed at a roadhouse called Bill's Rendezvous in Tacoa, Georgia. It was, for the most part, a typical gig for Little Richard and the Upsetters in August 1955, as they crisscrossed the Georgia Chitlin Circuit territory of their manager, Clint Brantley, tearing up rough and tumble small town joints. But something extraordinary waited for Richard at Bill's rendezvous. As James Brown recalled, the rendezvous was our turf, and we were determined to cut him if we could. James was referring to his group, The Flames, James Brown was born in 1933 and grew up in an Augusta, Georgia brothel that his aunt managed. Like virtually every other entertainer of his age, he worshipped Louis Jordan. But at 16, he was in the Georgia Juvenile Detention Center in Tacoa on an armed robbery charge. There he met a youth from the outside named Bobby Bird who ventured in the walls to sing gospel to the inmates. Bobby and James hit a harmony, and when James got out, Bobby welcomed him into a group called the Gospel Starlighters. They soon shifted from the sacred to the profane and picked up work at joints like Bill's Rendezvous. Now the Flames couldn't afford instruments, so they stomped the rhythm and whistled or hummed through instrumental solos in their covers of the day's hits by groups like the Five Royales, Billy Ward's Dominoes, and Hank Ballard and the Midnighters. Baby, baby, please stay That's the Five Royales hit, Too Much Lovin'. Since there are no recordings of the Flames during this period, this gives you an idea of what they patterned themselves after. That rockin' doo-wop sound, which was particularly attractive to musicians without instruments. So when Little Richard came to the rendezvous, James and the Flames studied their act. Richard was his wild self by then, decked out in a silver cape with his pompadour curled high, singing an uncleansed version of Tutti Frutti. James thought he had a leg up on Richard, though, when it came to dancing. When the upsetters took a break, the flames rushed the stage. They launched into their act, and the rendezvous went wild. Richard pretended not to notice at first, but as the energy built, he couldn't take it anymore. He yelled at the club manager, Get them off! James recalled that after the show, Richard told him, You are the onlyest man I've seen who has everything. Richard's MC and handler, a piano player from Macon, Georgia, named Fats Gonder, told the Flames to come see manager Clint Brantley. 
Now Brantley, Macon's Chitlin Circuit promoter, had a terrific sense of talent, and though he was busily making Little Richard a star, he told the Flames to move to Macon and he'd see what he could do for him. A few weeks later, Brantley announced his new discovery would debut Saturday night, September 17, 1955, at the Macon Elks Club. Brantley advertised them with classic Chitlin Circuit chutzpah as the Flames of Washington, D.C., a new sensation in music and band. As it turned out, the Flames had arrived, whether from Washington, D.C. or Toccoa, Georgia, not a moment too soon. A couple days after their debut, Little Richard recorded Tutti Frutti and suddenly fled Macon and Clint Brantley for Los Angeles and the star treatment. Brantley had a problem. He'd booked Little Richard into his circuit for weeks in advance and needed to make good on those contracts and the money they meant. So he sent James Brown on the road with Little Richard's band in Little Richard's station wagon that was covered in Little Richard's song titles to fulfill Little Richard's tour dates. You guessed it, as Little Richard. Luke Gonder, who had been MC on Richard's show, made up a little inside joke based on Richard being in two places at once. As he introduced James Brown to the audience, he said, Ladies and gentlemen, the hardest working man in show business today, Little Richard. Luke Gonder, one of the true unsung heroes of rock and roll, taught the real Little Richard how to play piano, helped discover James Brown, and then coined one of the great brand names in entertainment history. That's James Brown and the Flames doing Chani on Chan, which sounds like he didn't stop imitating Little Richard right away. After fulfilling Little Richard's obligations, James and the Flames were ready to establish their true identity. They recorded a demo of one of their original numbers, a showstopper called Please, Please, Please. Clint Brantley shopped the demo around to various record companies and played it on Macon radio station WIBB to help promote the Flames' next show. As Brantley had done quite successfully with Little Richard, he developed the Flames. He booked them to play a variety of venues. And it was Brantley who put James Brown at the forefront, placing James's photograph on all the Flames advertising placards. Brantley staged musical battles, pitting his no-name protégés against big-name acts. First, Ruth Brown at the Macon City Auditorium in November of 1955. Then on Christmas night, 1955, there was no place on earth hotter than the Macon, Georgia Elks Club, where James and the Flames battled the hometown hit recording star Little Richard and his upsetters. James and the Flames closed their sets with Please, 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 which incited shrieking pandemonium and finally got them noticed. King Records signed James Brown and the Flames that winter, and their first hit was the one the Flames saved for last in their live set, Please, Please, Please. They were on their way, though still in Little Richard's station wagon on the Chitlin Circuit. Please, 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 please. Please, 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 please. 
That's how it sounded live at the Apollo. Please, please, please. For Beale Street Caravan, this is Preston Lauterbach, author of The Chitlin Circuit and The Road to Rock and Roll. We want to remind our listeners you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Go to our website at BillStreetCaravan.com and sign up for our monthly newsletter to find out where the caravan is going to be next. You can also keep up with Bill Street Caravan via our podcast that's available through iTunes. We have to take a quick break for local announcements, but stick around. There's a lot more music to come. You're listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. AutoZone is proud to support Bill Street Caravan and other arts organizations that strengthen the greater Memphis community. Parts are just part of what we do. AutoZone.com. Bill Street Caravan is also supported by awards from the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Arts Memphis, and Tennessee Tourism. TennesseeVacation.com. The soundtrack of America was made in Tennessee. We're back, and for those of you just tuning in, we're in the heart of South Memphis on McLemore Avenue at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music. We have Scott Sherrard in the program with us this week, and as we alluded earlier, high records legend Don Bryant is about to get up and sit in with the band. But before we hear more, Pat had a chance to sit down and catch up with Scott and talk about the new record. Let's hear what he had to say. How does it feel to be here at Stax? You know, for me, this is like a church the whole town, really. I mean, you know, when you take into account all the different uh, musicians and uh, studios and, and uh, just these legendary figures from here, I mean, the city, its it just speaks for itself. I mean, this is where it all started. This is where rock and roll started. This is where the blues was really born on Beale Street. There's so much rich history here, but Stax in particular, you know, when I was 10, uh, my parents were big music fans, and my dad's a musician, and they took me to see uh, the Monterey Pop Festival movie at a movie theater. And uh, the two things I left with, with, you know, my head blown open was Jimi Hendrix and Otis Redding. And I've always said that ever since then, I've been trying to be some kind of amalgamation of those two performances. <laughs> but that impact of seeing, you know, Booker T and the MGs, I, I came here for the first time four years ago. Um, and I saw these guys, the Bokeys, perform. And it was the first time I saw Howard Grimes, and that blew my mind, and that's a whole nother trip yeah, for me. Yeah. <laughs> but when I was 18, I came here with a band called Willie and the Mob that was a great blues band from, from Milwaukee and Chicago, collectively, and I was the guitar player. I was kind of like the young gun. But I, I came here, and I went to a record store, and I said, tell me where Stax is. I gotta go. And by that time, by 18, I was five years into listening to Johnny Taylor, Rufus Thomas, Albert King, you know, all those, obviously all the Otis Redding and Booker T and the MGs. I mean, that was, to me, that was my 
probably my biggest inspiration was that sound. Because to me, I could hear the garage band, I could hear jazz, I could hear blues, I could hear all the stuff that I held dear in that music. And uh, the record store owner said, didn't you see the bricks when you walked in here? And they were selling bricks. And I said, what do you mean bricks? And he said, oh, they tore it down, man. Said, There's nothing there. And I said, no. So I actually went by and it was, a, it was an empty parking lot. I was destroyed. So then I, I went many years, I even wrote a song about it that's on one of my records where I talk about coming to Memphis. My dream was like, a, like an empty parking lot full of garbage, basically. Wow. That's not the exact lyric, but that's, yeah, yeah. It like had, that's like the vibe of the tune. And, and it really changed my life, that trip here, because it invigorated me to try to go farther into that music and try to embody whatever I can from my perspective and use it as fuel. Mm -hmm. And the fact that the site was in, in my heart sort of desecrated it made me more passionate about the music and the values I hold dear about the tradition of just American music. Yeah. And what a, what a group like Booker T and the MG stood for in that time in this country and all this. There's so much mixed up in it for me and, and I'm so passionate about it. When I came back four years ago and this was here in the school, it just warmed my heart, man. And now to be able to perform in here is just, this is hallowed ground for me. I'm curious in, in going back to you know, how you got to where you are now. Greg Allman, let's just go there first. Since 2008, you know, you were in his band and not some easy shoes to fill in the sense of you think of who he worked with and yeah. being a musician and stepping in. And I'm curious, was the transition in playing with him, was that easy or did it take a little bit of struggle for you? Getting the gig with Greg was literally like going back to my parents' basement when I was 12. I learned all that Allman Brothers music was one of the biggest gateway drug bands <laughs> to greatness. You know why? Because when you discover, when you really discover the Allman Brothers, not only do you learn how to play a real shuffle that swings, a real slow blues that's got the feel, but you also learn about Miles Davis and John Coltrane. Mm -hmm. A couple of guys you've got played the band with you, Memphis Boys, Mark and Art. So after playing with both of them, what made you think, oh, these guys, I gotta play with them. I gotta have them on my record. Art came in first. I saw Art play with JJ Gray and Mofro was opening mm -hmm. for us. And then when Mark came in, man, it it took the Greg Allman band to a whole nother level because we got him to start, you know, writing horn charts for some of the music. And so how did you, was it through Art and Mark that you found Scott Bomar? Well, it's interesting because it kind of, the horn thing started with Art and then I had this experience of coming to Stax, the Stax-tacular event I think was going okay. on. Okay. And I came in and Howard Grimes was playing the drums. <laughs> and you were just like, ah! And I walked into that room and I heard it from a distance. I walked in that room, I stood right next to that hi-hat I said, that hi-hat is Howard Grimes. There's no way <laughs> to EQ that. There's yeah. no way to learn that. His playing defines the mystery of those tracks. There's a mystery in those high grooves. And Al Jackson, certainly, I mean, you know, they were sort of a, t they were a team, they would switch. And you have the thing of Howard, you know, tapping on the conga while Al would play on Let's Stay Together. Yeah. And I said, okay, well, if I can ever make a record where I can get Howard Grimes for at least a few songs, I'm gonna then die a happy man. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what we did with this record. You know, we made five tracks at Muscle Shoals. We had David Hood and Spooner Oldham from the Swampers. Chad Gamble played drums from Jason Isbell's oh, band. Yeah. And then we came over here and we cut seven tracks at Electrophonic with uh, Howard, Charles, and Leroy Hodges. And then uh, we cut three with Potts 
uh, and Leroy, and uh, even Al Gamble came in, played on some of it too. So uh, I read this one story where you said the older you get, you wanna, you just wanna simplify it. You feel like I've got all this to say. So how do you edit yourself? <laughs> Editing in the act, it's the most important moment because when you edit, there's an act of humility in there, mm -hmm. but then there's also an act of certitude. It's kind of like when you hear, you know, Albert or BB or Freddie King or Albert Collins or Magic Sam or Johnny Guitar Watson or these guys, these guitar players, for example, or these huge influences of mine as improvisers. When you hear them hit one note, the whole band comes to the note, but it's not in a way where they're demanding it. It's a way where the music falls together. Mm -hmm. And there's something about that with writing songs too. And there's something about it with singing. As a musician, I always go back to the first thing I learned on the guitar, which ironically, when I told Greg this story, he told me this is exactly what Dwayne did with him with the same song, Baby What You Want Me To Do by Jimmy Reed. Yeah. And my dad, that was the first thing he played on the guitar that connected to me at the age of 10. And it's that seventh chord note, you know, it's that one note that it slides, the pattern slides up to. There's something about that seventh, man, like, if that seventh gets a hold of you, it never lets go. <laughs> Because you know, it's melancholy. It's that minor pentatonic African scale. Yeah. And it's that major Western European harmony, major minor scale rubbing up against each other. It just makes you want to lay back and forget about the day. <laughs> well, on that note, thank you so much for giving me a little bit of your time. And you're about to play in the amazing Studio A here at Stax. And yeah. it's going to be a great show. And we're excited to have it on Bill Street Caravan. Here's more from Studio A at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, live on Bill Street Caravan. Is 
All right. We're going to give you a special tea of the night. It's called Memphis Soul Stew. About a half teacup base.
Here's more from Scott Sherrard from Studio A at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, live on Bill Street Caravan.
Thank you. That was Scott Sherrard from Studio A at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music, live on Bill Street Caravan. That incredible presence you heard just a few songs earlier, well, that was High Records legend Don Bryant sitting in with the band. It's Memphis. You never know who's going to be in the crowd, and you never know what's going to happen. Learn more about Scott. Check out his website at scottsherrard.com. Be sure to take a look at his tour dates because he might be coming to an area near you soon. To learn more about Scott's new record, Saving Grace, which was recorded in Memphis and Muzzle Shoals with an A-list of Memphis music legends, head over to his Pledge music page. There's still time to pre-order your copy. Thanks to everyone at the Stax Museum of American Soul Music. This place should be on all of our listeners' bucket lists. For more info, go to staxmuseum.com. Special thanks to our supporters, AutoZone, the Memphis Convention and Visitors Bureau, Arts Memphis, the Tennessee Arts Commission, Tennessee Tourism, and Bridging the Blues for their support in making Bill Street Caravan possible. We'd like to remind our listeners to please show your support for public broadcasting. You're just not going to find programming like this anywhere else. We want to remind our listeners that you can find Bill Street Caravan on all the social media outlets. Do you love Memphis music? Tell us why and use hashtag IListenToMemphis. Or keep up with us on our podcast at iTunes. Visit our website at BillStreetCaravan.com to sign up for our monthly newsletter. You can find out where the caravan's going to be next. And if you can't meet us there, we'll be back right here next week, so we'll see you then. I'm Pat Mitchell-Worley. And I'm Kevin Cubbins. You've been listening to the sounds of Memphis on Bill Street Caravan. (laughs) 